What is up, everybody, and welcome to the True Blue Cubs podcast. I'm your host, stand-up comedian, diehard Cubs fan, native Chicagoan, all-around badass, Joe Kilgallen. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It is Monday, August 29th. Hopefully, you're catching this on your commute home from work, or you're shredding some pounds in the gym, or you're just at home. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like to play some video games and throw a podcast on. I find that more enjoyable. Maybe it's something you want to do. A lot of fun stuff to talk about here on the True Blue Cubs podcast. If you're a new listener, you can check out old episodes. That's the beauty of this podcast is there's something there in each episode. So much more than just box score conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, on today's podcast, I will be discussing. I will, of course, recap the series that was between the Cubs and Brewers, in which our beloved Cubs lost two out of three to uh, the Brew Crew up in Milwaukee North. I'm sorry, Wrigley North. I call it Wrigley North up in Milwaukee is what I meant to say. And I will also talk about, this is something I should have hit on the last episode of the podcast. So I apologize. It was announced that Cubs play-by-play radio man, longtime radio man, and sometimes on TV now. That's one of the things I do like about the Marquee Network is they've been throwing Pat Hughes on the television side of things here and there. And that's kind of cool to see. But Pat Hughes is going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. How great is that? Long overdue. For Pat Hughes to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, with uh, broadcasters, they do it different. They don't make where you have to be retired for five years. That'd be crazy because a lot of these guys, well, they would never see their Hall of Fame induction because it's not like sports, right? You get a bad knee, you retire early. As long as you can speak, you can broadcast. So, congratulations to Pat Hughes, absolute legend. The When I think of the Chicago Cubs, I think of his voice. I was a big Harry Carey guy, but Harry Carey died when I was 12 or 13. But Pat Hughes, more so than Len Casper, Pat Hughes is the voice of the Chicago Cubs. He really is, and I hope he does it for as long as he wants. I'm sure, look, the Cubs have made some questionable moves as an organization in the last handful of seasons, but one thing they'll never do is be dumb enough to let Pat Hughes in that fine tenor, baritone. I don't know what kind of voice it is. I don't know much about voices. They'll never let him leave is my point. So we will uh, give shout-out to Pat Hughes, discuss him and what he means. But right now I want to – do I save – I'll save this. This will be – I'll. I'll use the last five minutes or so on this one. There's rumors running around started by John Morrissey or Morosi, and a few other people have kind of suggested too, but it's been making the rounds yesterday and today that he thinks the Chicago Cubs will be players in the Shohei Otani trade market. Rumors of him possibly being dealt this upcoming off season. And, uh, he thinks the Cubs make the most sense. We'll talk about that. I'll save that for the last five minutes. All right. The Cubs sadly lost two out of three to the Milwaukee Brewers. They won the first game of the series. That was a very tight game. And the score was three to two. So that, yeah, nice win. Nice one run victory. I'm sorry. It's three to two. What am I talking about? They won that game um, by a score of four to three. I messed that up. I looked at the wrong thing. That was a fun game though. Even though there was the only offense was two Ian Happ home runs. Ian Happ hit two bombs. And that was it. They had two hits, four runs, two two-run home runs from Ian Happ. I love the way Ian Happ looks up against the NL Central. We've all talked about his dominance over the Cincinnati Reds. He also kills it against Pittsburgh, as you should. I don't know what his career numbers are against St. Louis, but I feel like he's hit some big shots against them. And the Cubs are taking on the St. Louis Cardinals next weekend in St. Louis. I'll actually be headlining the St. Louis. It's funny. It's called the St. Louis Funny Bone, but it's in St. Charles, Missouri. So really, it's the St. Charles Funny Bone. But if you're 
in that area, there's a comedy club at the streets of St. Charles called The Funny Bone. I will be your headliner this Thursday through Sunday. That's September 1st through 4th. The Cubs play that weekend, and I am all but certain I will be in attendance for the finale of that series. My first time at uh, the new Bush Stadium. So Cubs Cardinals, Sunday at 1 o'clock. I will be there. If you're a fan listening and you're going to be in the area, hit me up. Come to a show. Maybe we could go to the game, say hello. All right. So, yeah, that was a that was a cool game. It's always nice. And it was a late, you know, hit a two-run homer in the 10th inning, too. That's fun. Good way to start off the series, let's say. Ian Half now up to 15 home runs on the year. Like to see him finish at around 20. Because I thought his power was a little bit down. His average was up this year. Strikeouts down. Defense. We have not talked about Ian Happ's defense in left field. It has been gold glove caliber in left field. I thought he was very average in center field. It goes to show you, that's why so many teams draft center fielders and shortstops. You can move them everywhere. As long as they've got a good enough arm, though. Because sometimes you get these center fielders with these noodle arms. Remember Juan Pierre? That guy needed two cutoff men to hit second base. Anyhow, so uh, so kudos to Ian Happ there. Uh, having a very fine all-star season. Who else to talk about? Nico Horner's defense has been amazing. It was great all series. See, I'm looking for the positives from this series. Losing two out of three to Milwaukee is never fun, especially when we got smoked the last two games. The The starting pitching was good. It, it kept us there. Samson had to be taken out early, though. Newcomb came in. I understood people were mad at Ross for that, but you bring in a lefty to face four lefties in a row, and the lefty gets rocked. I can't blame the manager there. Some could say, well, it's obvious that Newcomb's terrible. I'm like... Yeah, it it is more obvious now, but when you have it in the third or fourth inning, that's who you bring in. That's just how it works in baseball with bullpen usage. When you have a team that traded four really, really good bullpen pitchers like the Cubs did back at the trade deadline, these are the type of losses you're going to have, unfortunately. So as a fan, just look for good starting pitching and look on the offensive side of things. And that's just that's how you're going to be able to watch the, these last two months of the season. But Nico's defense was tremendous throughout the series. And a few people have been floating the idea of what would uh, a couple Twitter accounts I like a lot at full count Tommy. And I believe who else chimed in on this? Michael Cerami. He might've said too, what would a uh, extension for Nico Horner look like? Cause whenever it's time to extend a player, they always look at a player with similar value and did that player to extend and how much did they extend for? I was looking, it was tough for that situation. Young guy, first year at shortstop 25, not hasn't made an all-star team yet. This is really his first breakout season. Although he looked awesome when he played last year, but was injured three different trips to the IL. That's tough. I mean, he's a, he's the right age to extend. 25 is a great age to extend a guy because you're going to get those prime years, but I don't really know. I don't think he definitely won't break the bank because there's, I don't know. He might be looking for 10 million, 10, uh, $10 million a year for eight eighty ten eighty. Hmm. I want, that's really tough. I looked at this one was baffling, but it was a little different Went Merrifield when he signed an extension, his was so cheap. It was like $4 million a year. He signed like three years, 4 million. Or I'm sorry, three or four. I'll just, why guess Joe, get the actual information. You got a computer in front of you. It was dirt cheap. Let's just say 16 million. I think it was 4 million for four years. And granted he was a rookie at 27 and when he signed it, he was 30. So, but he was coming off here where he led the league in hits and stolen bases. That's a weird fish right there. You know, was he enjoying Kansas City that much? Any Kansas City listeners out there? You guys got something going on in the water? I know you got that barbecue everyone raves about. Is he just a big Chiefs fan? I thought he could have gotten more. That's where it's it's troubling to figure out what 
kind of money offer you can make for Nico. Now, again, he's not coming off an all. He should have been. Eh, he's borderline all-star at the, at the time of the all-star game this year. I think by the season's end, he would have put up an all-star caliber season, but you can't call him an all-star technically. He's due for a good raise. I don't know. It's tough to say. I feel like you buy out his last couple of years of arbitration, which I think he should have two or three more years of that left because he came up in 2019. That's when the clock started, 2020, 21, 22. So yeah, at least three more years of ARB. Then you'd want another five years. So I think it's eight years you're looking at. And yeah, if you could get him eight years for a total of 80 million with some kickers that could prop that up even higher for him, like if he hit certain milestones, even if he if it doesn't pan out the way you want, $10 million a year is going to look like a deal for a guy at least with his versatility at both second base and shortstop. If, if he's at, if he's back at second base, he's easily an all-star. There just aren't that many good second basemen. You could get away with a 770 OPS at second base and make the all-star team, and we know he's gold glove. We know it. At shortstop, he's still close to all-star if he puts up the numbers he's putting up now, but there's way more competition to make the all-star team as a shortstop in both the National League or American League. So it's an interesting thing to see. I definitely think that's something they explore heavily this offseason. There's no way they make the mistake of last time around where you have everyone hitting free agency at once. So if Nico's a player they love, who they believe is going to be part of this next great Cubs core, lock him up. Lock him up. All right. It was announced. They tried to do it in a cool way. I don't know if it came out as cool, maybe because of the person who it was, Crane Kenny. He was a guy that I, I think most Cubs fans don't really like. He's been with the ball club forever, but he was with him with Tribune and now with the Ricketts family. So he's crossed ownerships, three different ownerships, if you count Sam Zell, which you should. He owned between the Tribune and the Ricketts. And it's interesting because his job's always been the money side. He's the financial guy. So when it was announced that the renovation budget went way over, isn't that kind of on him? Isn't that your fault, Crane? All the mistakes with Marquee and the launch and some of that stuff, that seems to be on him, but there's never any whispers that his job is even remotely in jeopardy. I guess that doesn't matter. I guess it's one of those things where it's like you just look at the final line. As long as they keep printing money like they do, essentially, then Crane's fine. Never met the man. I'm sure he's a wonderful person. So Hugh goes on the air to make some random announcements about some stuff, then tries to be sly, slides the paper over to Pat Hughes. Most of you have probably seen it by now. Pat got a little emotional because that's how he found out. I think I think it was kind of a cool way to do it. I wish they would have just had like Ron Coomer tell him or I don't know, someone different. Because the interesting thing was the Cubs had Pat Foley, legendary voice of the Chicago Blackhawks, announce a game the day before. And I was listening to it and I enjoyed it, you know, because he's got that classic Chicago voice, Pat Foley. And he was talking about, oh, I want to thank Pat Hughes for letting me take over the reins here on the radio side. Pat Hughes, and I'll tell you what, if he doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame, I mean, you called it. He was saying, like, this man should be in the Hall of Fame. It's crazy that Pat Hughes is not Hall of Famer and, you know, all that kind of good stuff in support of Pat Hughes. One Pat supporting another Pat. Then the next day it's announced. I remember thinking to myself, man, did they know? If they knew it was going to be announced, they should have had full ad. I don't know how close they are, but I just thought, I just would have liked it was someone other than Craig Kenny giving him the news that, hey, you're going going to Cooperstown, my man, because everyone knows how deserved that is and how much that means to Pat. So that's great to see. Uh, some of my favorite Pat Hughes calls. I love why he does his famous home run call, which is, this ball's got a chance. Gone. I love that call 
because as a fan listening on the radio, it puts you on the edge of your seat. You know, it's kind of like this guy, it's good. Is it going to go? Is it going to go? Right. It's got, it's, it, it, you know, and I'm sure from his point of view, he started it by accident because he didn't want to be one of those announcers like this ball smoked. See ya. And that's caught at the warning track. Nobody that's, that's embarrassing. When you have one of those as an announcer, that's the equivalent of letting the ball go between your legs. An announcer falsely calling a home run where they're like, goodbye, caught at the warning track. Hawk Harrelson, White Sox announcer famously did that. And it's one of the funniest things ever. Look it up. He would do his home run call, which is, you could put it on the board. Yes. But this time he did, you could put it on the board. No. <laughs> like I caught it. Like not even like at the wall, the middle of the warning track. And I remember when that highlight was on ESPN, all the sports sports center guys were like, I have been waiting forever for this to happen. And it happened. You could put it on the board. No. And it was, it was great. So I love this ball's got a chance gone. I also, because it does give you a sense of, is it going to go? But then I also, and I think it's his way of being like, I don't, like I said, doesn't want to do a false call. But then when a ball is absolutely mashed, he's got this catchphrase. When he says, get out the tape measure, long gone. And I'll never forget this one Sammy Sosa home run. And then I'll give you my two other favorite calls. Then we'll talk about Shohei Otani. Sosa hits a bomb that I didn't get to see like on TV. I was listening on the radio. I was getting gas. I had the game on the radio. And right when I got back in the car, I turned it on and um, Sammy drives one. Get out the tape measure. This ball is long gone. And I mean long gone. And I think he even said into the dead of the night, which I was like, dude, that's poetic. And then I saw the highlight. This was a ball Sosa hit down Kenmore that landed in Dave Kingman territory. With Dave Kingman, a slugger in the 70s and early 80s, he famously hit monster shots, absolute monster shots. He was one of the original true outcome guys, walk home or strike out. But he led the league in home runs one year with the Cubs, I believe like 47. And the one he hit, famously every Cubs fan who was in the bleachers that day and anyone who saw it on TV, you see this. When the ball crosses Waveland, it was still rising, still rising and landed, it hit like the third house down Kenmore off of Waveland. Sammy's got just clo close. There was a couple of people nearby. They were like, it landed in between the second and third, and they did a chalk out line. And at the time, they would just do the southwest, how far did it fly, and they projected it was about 538 feet. The StatCast era has been since 2014 on. So, yeah, ball hasn't gone that far in the StatCast era, but that was also the steroid era. Also, I predict five years from now, we're going to find out StatCast was wrong. Because there are times where StatCast, I've, I've heard players talk about this. The ball clears the 400-foot sign, and then StatCast says it went 389 feet. Really, Stat, really StatCast. Okay. I also don't like that StatCast keeps separate stuff for playoffs and regular season. Because I remember someone being like, that's his farthest home run in the StatCast era. And I'm like, no, he had a 490-foot home run against the Dodgers. I'm talking about Wilson Contreras. How is that not counted? And everyone's like, you sure? How come? And then they look it up, and they go, oh, okay. Like, I, why? Just these are home run numbers. It's distance and feet and barrel rate. And as much as I am a big sabermetrics fan and I like all this stuff, some people are just too hell-bent on it. Anytime a player gets released from a team, someone goes, well, his slider RPMs are top five in baseball. I think we should give him a go. And then you look at his numbers and you're like, this guy is trash, right? There's a, re there's a reason this team released him. Opposite of trash, baseball superstar. I think a guy who's going to go down as an icon when they talk generational talent, they might as well show his picture as far as the modern game is concerned. Shohei Otani, a guy who is an MVP for candidate for his bat and Cy Young candidate for his arm. 
baseball hasn't seen anything like him since Babe Ruth, someone who could dominate on the mound and in the batter's box. Now, there's rumors floating around Twitter, uh, and some people suggested, I think John Morosi, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, mentioned it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs traded for him. And so now everyone is up in arms going, should the Cubs trade for him? Do we have enough to trade for him? Oh, I don't want to give away the whole farm for him. Yes, you do. Okay, I'll just come out. I'm, I'll tell you what side I'm on. I'm on the side of go get one of the greatest players in the game. And then people are like, well, it's going to take at least Justin Steele, Nico Horner, Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA. Look, love Nico. Just made a case for extending him a little while ago. Love Justin Steele. Gush about him on the podcast. If you were to trade Shohei Otani for Justin Steele and Nico Horner, obviously you'd have to throw in some more, but just think about those two because they're both current major league players. You're instantly improving your offense. Shohei's a better hitter than Nico. And you're improving your pitching. Shohei's a better pitcher than Steele. So I keep hearing Cubs fans saying the offseason, or Cubs fans say this offseason they need to get an ace and another, at least another big hitter. He's both in one person. He's both in one roster spot. Pico Armstrong, I think, is going to be a great player. I think could be an all-star. It looks like he'll be an all-star. But again, I don't get too excited until I see guys dominating in double-A. Brennan Davis dominating in double-A. I'd imagine they'd want him as well. And I'd still do it. I was, I'm still more excited about Brennan Davis than I am about Pico Armstrong. Uh, although I think Armstrong's great and may have a higher ceiling because that defense is wonderful and he's only 20 years old. I'm singing PCA's praises. I'm glad it's PCA as a nickname. It's just, what's well, his initials? Never really a nickname. You know, Slippery Pete would be a nickname. Ooh, ooh. But Slippery Pete, you need to steal a little bit more bases than I think PCA is going to steal. But that, that could be something. Slippery Pete. Pistol Pete was already taken by Pistol Pete Maravich. Slippery Pete. Keep that in your heads, Cubs fans. That might be a nickname for Pete Crow Armstrong. I Again, guys like this don't become available often. You'd have to assume when you make that trade, you extend. Nobody makes a trade like that without being like, we're going to extend you. The Mets did with Lindor. The Dodgers did it with Mookie Betts. Cardinals did it with Paul Goldschmidt, who, again, I like to mention having his best season at the age of 34. Let's check that piss test. So, uh, I again, I, I would do it. I would do it. I would try to hold one of Davis or PCA back. That'd be amazing. But if they want PCA, Davis, you would pretty much have to give them whatever they wanted. I mean, to a degree, of course. But I would go, if they said, all right, Cubs, we want Steele, Nico, Davis, PCA, and Christian Hernandez. I'd be like, "Mm, no, you, you get one major leaguer. And we could give you PCA and Davis, but not Hernandez. But if you want Hernandez and PCA, we're keeping back Davis. So I'd be like, here, from our, our top three offensive prospects, PCA, Davis, Hernandez, you could get two of those three. Of our best current major league talents, Steele, Nico, because those ones they'd want because they're cheap and young and tied up for, you know, they'd have control over them for a while. And they're both looking like all star level players right now. You get one of the two. Or if you want both of those, then you only get one from that list of three. And then, but I would be happy. I would, yeah. I mean, I'd give them four of our top ten prospects and one major league piece, and then maybe see if they want to throw in Anthony Rendon's bad contract in, hoping he rebounds. Because, but then it would lower the prospect total. You'd give up even less because you're taking on the money. So, to the Cubs fans out there who are worried, all right, we get rid of all these guys, then who's Otani going to play with? Look, Hap's under control for a year. Again, I think that's a very reasonable extension. Contreras also ought to be extended. And if you're thinking, well, we can't have all the money tied to these, blah, blah, blah. 
you guys are not realizing after 2023 season, Hayward's contract gone. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That frees up 23 to 25 million, I believe. Kyle Hendricks, 15 to 16 million, also will be freed up after 2023. So there you go. That's 45 million, which is probably what Otani is going to cost per year for his extension. He's that good. 45 million. And you'd gladly do it. Would you would you take out Hayward and Hendricks for look, Hendricks, Cubs legend. Hayward, thanks for the speech. But going forward, you'd much rather have Otani than those two. That's a given. And they, that's it, though. The luxury tax payroll is 230 million, 230 million for next year as well. And then it starts to escalate, you know, as the years go by. But 45 million for him. And then uh Strowman was making 22, 23 million in the next two years. And then Seiya Suzuki's making 18 million. And that is it. So whatever that there is plenty of money, and there's still a lot of guys that will be young and cheap and cost controlled for a while. You know, if obviously if Nico goes, you go out and sign a big shortstop. Maybe you don't go for Craig because he'd be a little too expensive, too long a deal, but you could probably get less years and less annual income by going with Xander Bogarts or Swanson. Both would be great players to add to the team. Magical plays an average second base. He looks like he's starting to hit a little bit more. You bat him ninth. You don't care if he doesn't hit home runs or hit for any kind of power. He's just getting singles. You take it. High contact guy. And then, uh, you know, Hap Contreras, Mervis. Matt Mervis, by the way, just drove in his 100th run. That guy's just been mashing at every level he's played at this past season. There's some players there. And you got to trust the fact that you have a new development machine that's been implemented in 2018, 2019. But now we're starting to see the dividends of that. A lot of pitching prospects coming through. I just don't. I just think if you have the opportunity and believe you could extend them, you go for it. You just do. You go for it. Because like I said before, P. Crow Armstrong could be a perennial all-star or he could be Corey Patterson. You just don't know. But you know what Shohei Otani is going to do. And, and you know what he's going to do. Going, he's, only, he's 28. Again, this isn't a 34-year-old. I say go for it. Let's get crazy. All right. I went a little long this week. Um, I'll be back in a couple days to talk to you guys more before the Cardinals series. I'll preview that. Thanks again for listening to the True Blue Cubs podcast. I appreciate your support. Share with your friends. Share with your enemies. All right, you guys are the best. Go Cubs.